The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Let's jump right into it and talk about sex. Actually, let's talk about having even better sex. You've heard it here before, and you've probably heard it from a lot of your other favorite podcasters as well. Woo for Play makes having sex even better, okay? Basically, everyone in our life, including my dad, which is super creepy, has been gifted woo, and they all thank us over and over for improving their sex lives. My favorite part is that I've been giving it to my girlfriends, and they're bringing it into the bedrooms, and their husbands are blown away. Literally. I think actually literally blown away. I think it's so cool for women to bring this stuff in the bedroom instead of the man. It sort of changes the narrative, right? You know, instead of having that gross drugstore lube filled with nasty chemicals, you bring in the nice coconut love oil. Start with a little massage and then things, you know, can get weird. All right. So to try Woo, go to wooforplay.com and enter promo code him and her at checkout for 20% off your entire order. Again, that's wooforplay.com, W-O-O-F-O-R-P-L-A-Y.com and enter promo code him and her for 20% off. Enjoy and you can thank us later. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential. Him and her. Uh-huh. The craziest thing probably, this guy who was a body modification guy, and he had every modification you could have. He had you know, the huge earring stretched things. He had the, the full nose pierce all over the place. He had his tongue split down the middle. All these things I'd seen before. He had earrings in his eyelids like that I had never seen before. He had he had like metal balls implanted under his forearm. I'd never seen. It was just nasty stuff. But he had something I'd never seen before, and that was horns implanted in his head. He had these horns implanted in his head to look like a demon or a devil, and they were silicone horns that somebody put in in some basement. The guy wanted him removed now because he wanted to start like normalizing his life. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. If you are new to the show, thank you for joining. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Dr. Jason Diamond. On this episode, we dive into the world of facial surgery covering topics like facial reconstruction, the golden ratio, facelifts, rhinoplasty, facial rejuvenation, plastic surgery, and more. Guys, what's up? I am Lauren Everts. I'm the creator of the Skinny Confidential blog, a book, a brand, and a podcast. And I'm Michael Bostic. I'm an entrepreneur and business operator, most recently the co-founder and CEO of Dear Media, a podcast network focused on the digital space and female voices. And you're the proud owner of new boobs. I, in a way, am the proud owner of new boobs because you have new boobs. I was greasing them up this weekend. I know. What's going on with you, man? There's kids out there. There's kids. There's parents. They're trying to have breakfast. There's kids out there trying to relax. There's dads and moms and you're out there with these things flopping around. You're going to knock someone out with those cannons. When you get a new car, you drive it around in the most obnoxious way. So when I get new boobs, they're going to hang out for like a year. I'm all for it. You do you. Be confident. Woman, hear you roar. Whatever you want to do. But... How long are we going to be doing this for? What if you got a dick implant? You would want it like bunched up in your jeans for a good year. 
no, in my case, I'll need to get a, that's a, a reduction. A reduction. Okay. Yeah, it's too much okay. already. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Guys, remember that there was two episodes last week. Episode 128 was with Emily Schumann and Jeffrey Fuller from the brand Cupcakes and Cashmere. And then we had Rachel Hollis on Thursday, who is a best selling author. She wrote Girl Wash Your Face, which is currently crushing it on Amazon's top charts. Make sure you check out both of those episodes because they're both gems. So, Yes, I love both those episodes. I, I'm already, I'm so irritated because I was listening to this episode and I was editing it, and I sound. It's when I was sick. When no, we no, did this no, one. no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm not so, going to talk about how you're sick. No, so I'm not. No, no. Trust me, I'm not going to talk about how I'm sick. But my voice is a little off, which sounds weird. But then I started t- thinking about how I was irritated, and then I started thinking about um, some of the dogs that I saw this weekend and some of the dog owners, and I got even more irritated. There are so many shitty dog owners out here it just it just really pisses me off it grinds my gears it's way too hot these guys are out here they're dragging their dogs around the feet are burning they're leaving them strapped up to these posts and the dogs can't breathe and they're panting and they're not getting water it just pisses me off what makes you more mad than a dog not being treated at a hundred percent level at all times i mean oh my god it makes me sick they've just you know it these people they just they're being rude to dogs i i literally saw this guy um, he had this dog chained up. He was sucking down water. The dog was panting. Then I later I saw this girl. And this West Hollywood grosses me out sometimes. I love it here, but th- this girl literally you saw this. She her dog took this giant shit, and she literally took two leaves and put it over the shit like instead like pick and it. then walked away. Yeah, just. I love to give you hypotheticals. What would you do if someone was rude to your dogs? Um, if someone was rude to my dogs, I would literally I'd be going to jail. Really? I would I defend those dogs more than I would defend like probably even you. Okay. Because well, I feel like you could defend yourself and you could like take care of yourself a little bit and like, you know, there'd be a it'd have to be an extreme situation for me after to step in. I remember that one time that guy reached down your pants in the back of that bar and I had to do something. Yeah, you guys, there was this one time just a super side note, I was leaning over a bar a little bit and I was wearing jeans with a belt and this guy came up to me from behind and stuck his dirty finger down my jeans next to my butthole almost. And Michael saw it. You were. Well, I was mad. But well, first of all, like, what kind of fucking creep does that? But no, I think if somebody was mean to the dog, I would for sure be going to jail. I, some people don't deserve to have dogs. Listen, just, you ha- you have to take care of your dog if you're going to get them. It's hot out there, people. Give them water. Don't leave them chained to a post or I'm going to leave you chained to a post. If their feet are on the hot black asphalt, make sure they're not there too long. It's burning them. Just don't do Don't let me catch you out there. Wipe their paws. Tell them how we wipe their wipe paws. Wipe their paws. Just we, take care of the dogs. Every time that the dogs go for a walk, which is once a day, we bring them home and we wipe their paws with little wipes. They're these natural wipes. I think you can get them on Thrive Market, but um, you wipe their paws because they get allergies on their paws and they lick their paws and it gets into their eyes. It's like dust and all different kinds of things. Plus, if you have someone that comes and cleans your house or you clean the floors and it gets all those chemicals on their paws, you want to wipe it off. Yep. Anyway, I don't want to show the, start the show too Negative, this is this is very like a dog episode. I'm take, into it. Take this care of your dogs. Plot twist. Don't let me catch you out there in the streets. Not the guy care that of those dogs. stuck his finger in my jeans into my butthole. That guy's fine. <laughs> he can do that. Just take care of the dogs. Okay. Um, all right. So I want to talk about something different than Michael's talking about. I want to talk about the five outfits that I just ordered. Okay, guys. Not five pieces. Five outfits. Like two pieces. Okay. Off Fabletics. There's this one that I got that is so flattering. It's like this black tight legging that sucks everything in with this big, thick white band at the top. This is super flattering because it sort of hits the hips at the hip bone. 
Um, and I have been living in them since I got my boob job. Um, anyway, it comes with this vibey black sports bra on top. So you get a two piece set and it really pushes the twins up. Michael loves it. Right, babe? Twins are looking good. Okay, wait. I also need to mention this. It's $35 for the entire set, which is nuts. Okay. So make sure you go to Fabletics and check out the Pashley two-piece outfit. I got a medium top and small bottoms. It fits perfect. It sucks you in. You should know some background on Fabletics, okay? So it was born in 2013 and co-founded by actress Kate Hudson. God, I loved her and how to lose a guy in 10 days. Okay, so the founding team noticed a big gap in the activewear marketplace. It was very difficult for people to find trendy, stylish gymwear that was priced affordably. So Fabletics came to the rescue. I mean, you can see this clear as day because if you saw me in my $35 Pashley two-piece, you would think it was like 200 bucks. okay? Fabletics' mission is simple. They create clothing that's made to inspire physical activity in any type of setting. Now, let's get to the nitty-gritty. Here's how it works. Number one, you take a style pop quiz for a personalized outfit recommendation. I did this. It takes two seconds. It just sort of vets everything for you. And then you shop from thousands of styles curated just for you. And number three, you check out as a guest or you become a VIP member. It's up to you. But I will tell you that VIP perks are up to 50% off regular prices, free shipping, and additional perks. I wore my get up to margaritas the other night. I threw on a knee-high boot and I felt like a million bucks. Okay, the offer. Let's talk about the deals and steals. Fabletic is offering our listeners an incredible deal. You don't want to miss this. Get two leggings for only $24, a $99 value when you sign up for a VIP membership. Just go to fabletics.com slash skinny to take advantage of this deal now. That's fabletics.com slash skinny to get two leggings for only $24. Also, free shipping on orders over $49. International shipping is available and there's absolutely no commitment when you purchase your first order. That's fabletics.com slash skinny. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's meet Dr. Diamond. Dr. Jason B. Diamond of the Diamond Face Institute is a top facial plastic surgeon in his field and has helped thousands of patients achieve a more youthful, we love youthful, natural looking appearance with the wide range of facial surgical procedures he provides. Dr. Diamond chooses to not dilute his focus and concentrates exclusively on the face. You can stalk his Instagram where he showcases patients like Kris Jenner, Lala Kent, Vanderpump Rules cast, Kim Kardashian, Amber Rose, Kourtney Kardashian, Erica Jane, Steph Shep, Kate Upton, to name a few guys. He is a double board certified plastic surgeon and was once on the popular show, Dr. 90210. I love that show. He's now joining our show, The Skinny Confidential, him and her. With that, welcome Dr. Diamond. Let's get into it with specifics. This is The Skinny Confidential, him and her. All right, Dr. Diamond, tell us how you got here. So give us your background, starting with your childhood. My childhood, okay. So I'm from New Jersey. Um, I was just, I grew up in a blue collar, just average household. And I, was in, I wasn't a super, I was just an average kid, pretty much. Um, but what got me interested in this world is when I was in high school, I had a friend who was involved in a car accident. And he got his face smashed up, and it was a pretty big deal to see how it affected him and to see how it affected, you know, all of us. He was he was pretty beat up, pretty bad, needed some reconstructive surgery, 
He was worried no no one would ever want to go out on a date with him. He was worried no one would ever want to go out with him and be seen with him. This it, so it was big like it had a big impact. And he went through the surgery, got reconstructed, and they basically fixed him and made him whole. And it was so the impact that that had on me and on his friends and on him it was huge. And what's what's even more interesting about the whole thing is that at the time the surgeons had given him intraoperative photos of the surgery with like his skull his scalp peeled down exposure of all the bones with the plates on them that to reconstruct them and he'd bring these pictures into school from time to time and everyone was grossed out with them but i was fascinated with them i wanted to see them i'd stare at them for hours and like every couple of weeks I'd be like hey can i see those pictures again i was just fascinated with the whole anatomy with the anatomy it was crazy and so i knew i had an interest in it um but to be a doctor i grew up from a town where you weren't doctors I and mean, I grew up in a blue collar Italian town in New Jersey where, you know, people were mechanics and stuff like that. It just, it just being a doc and no one in my family was a doctor, no one in my immediate family. Um, so it wasn't anything I really thought that I was going to be able to do, you know, well, look, being a doctor is too hard. You have to be too smart. You have to be suit like, you know, I wasn't smart enough. I, I don't know. I just, it just wasn't something I thought was possible, but I started taking the classes and I was like, you know, killing it and able, and I realized like, hey, I can do this. And I applied to med school and got in. And the next thing you know, I gravitated towards facial plastic surgery because I loved it and I was good at it and I did well in it. And it just sort of mushroom clouded from there. And that's how it all got started. I also feel like I know that you're smart, but you're also an artist. And I was telling Michael this. There's a difference, I think, with with a doctor that's an artist and one that's not. Can you kind of explain the difference just for anyone who's listening that doesn't know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, there are there are different skills involved in being a good doctor and different doctor, different specialties require different skills. And some of the smartest people I have ever met, people I still talk to to this day, aren't very coordinated with their hands. Just because you're smart doesn't mean you have good hands. And just because you have good hands doesn't mean you're smart. It's a completely different thing. And so to be a good plastic surgeon, well, I mean, to be a surgeon, period, you have to have so many hours under your belt of experience and you've had to have passed so many exams and studied. So we all, there's at least a baseline of like, you know, this person has put the hours into study and learn the appropriate anatomy and to learn the important surgical principles and things. But... To be a good plastic surgeon does require uh, a, a finesse and an aesthetic judgment, and those things are you can't really teach those things to some degree. Most of it, I think, is you either have it or you don't. It's a nice way of saying you have to have a, a natural given talent. Yeah, I, I think you have to have a natural given talent for. I think 80%, let's just put an arbitrary number on it. I'd say 80% of of my ability to do what I do is probably natural, God-given, and 20% has been you know, learned, I would say, if I had to put numbers to it. Now, different specialties are different. You know, um, uh, a lot of specialties require just an intense, just a ridiculous amount of reading and staying on top of literature and and studying and things like that and that's different because they're they're diagnosing things visually and they're not using their hands to fix things um but when you're using your hands to fix problems like surgeons do um particularly plastic surgeons but but many most of the surgical specialties 
your finesse and your feel that's the that's really what separates the you know separates the real masters of their specialty from from the others and i think in my opinion a fair amount of that is god given um but but with hours and hours and hours too you can develop your skills um but even there, you know, there are certain people who start off out of the gates and are just better than others, and it's because of their hands and their aesthetic judgment and the way their brain interprets things and how they see things. And it's similar to I, any any other artist or like musician or something like that. Yes. Like you can learn and you can study. You can be the smartest guy in the room, but if you don't have that natural talent, you're only going to go so far. Let's make. <clears throat> I like to make the analogy all the time. I think it's very similar to a guitar player or a yeah. piano player. I mean, there are those people who come out of the gates and they're just they just have that talent and that feel and they know how to hit the keys. They know how to strum the strings, right? And there are people and you know, artists get better and better at it. But there are some people who you know have been who come out of the gates and are, it's so a lot of it is. God-given, uh, but it's a definitely a mix of God-given ability and and hours and hours. And you've heard the principle, I think, uh, ten thousand hours, the ten thousand hours, yeah. the Maxwell, <clears throat> uh, Maxwell, uh, Max Gladwell. Um, you know, we were talking earlier. He has a podcast too. Does he really? And you like him? Yeah. yeah so we're, Mal- we're trying Malcolm to figure Gladwell. out what podcast he might like. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, yeah. The 10,000 hours. And, and I believe in the 10,000 10, hour principle. And mm-hmm. he said that, you know, to be a master at something, you have to put 10,000 hours in. And I believe that there's probably a lot of truth to that. But even if you put 10,000 hours in, those people who have that God-given ability will be just better at it than those who don't. And so that's what that's my opinion on the topic. I mean, I tried to play guitar when I was a kid, and I played a little bit. And her cousin, who has God-given natural guitar talent, he, he's like, oh, I'm going to try that too. And he came in, and heard one song, and the song that I took months and months to learn, he picked up and just played it right away. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to be self-aware here and realize like this is probably not my, my calling. But I, it's true. I, I yeah. want to know why you went into plastic surgery instead of other things on the face, because there's obviously you could have gone into the brain, you could have gone yeah. into eye surgery. Why did you pick plastic surgery? Well, I, well again, because... Seeing my friend go through that experience, where he was, you know, the the, the uh, how it cha- how the um, his mindset, his psychology, how it was so affected by how he was going to look, and how you know at the time he's sixteen, he's like, no girl's ever going to want to date me. That's a big deal because I was going through the same thing. We were all, you know, and to see how that that affected us a lot, and to see how when he got fixed, that was all better. It was like, wow, that's like amazing. You know, it was it was a big deal, and so that that's what got me interested in pursu- in looking into plastic surgery as a med student, kind of gravitating towards it. And then I just love the anatomy. And within plastic surgery, there's many different subspecialties. I'm a facial specialist. Um, I love the facial anatomy. It's very intricate, and to work on it requires just a different type of feel and finesse than working on the body. They're two different two different skills. And I like the facial work. I just like the detailed nature of the anatomy. It's very complex. I loved studying it and learning it and just conquering it and understanding it. It's a, it's very rewarding because it is very difficult to, to to understand really what's going on as uh, as far as the anatomy goes. And then to be able to work on it uh, in a skillful way just requires the utmost finesse and feel and I just it's just something that I just liked and I was good at it and when you're good you know when for me when I'm good at something I get better at it and the better I get at it the more I like it and it just spirals up and I like it more and I get better at it and I like it more and I, it just you know that's kind of how it progressed and I definitely found what I you know I, I tell people I'm, I'm very good at a few things and not good at a lot of things I sucked at guitar I started playing guitar too like you when I was when I was a kid my cousin was amazing and uh, he gave me his guitar 
I took lessons and I I played and I and I in fifth grade started a band with a couple kids and I was terrible and this one one of the guys who joined us he was playing guitar and he just was so good at it and I had been and he had just started just like your story same thing and I was like I'm not good at this and I just realized and and I quit too um there are certain things I'm very good at and uh this just happens to be one of them I found you know I was doubling down tripling down on your strengths yeah yeah uh, thinking about it, I, had a, I had a little band too and god god bless those parents that sat there and listened to those terrible <laughs> terrible <laughs> sessions yeah, yeah. I, you're, you kind of like I was looking at this app the other day they have this new app out called the golden ratio do you mm-hmm. go by that the golden ratio uh, in general as a facial surgeon I I don't like look at the golden ratio before I go into a room and say, okay, I'm going to create this. But what I do, the facial sculpting techniques and the surgical techniques that I do, we're, we're sort of replicating that. And can you tell anyone that doesn't know what the golden ratio is? Can you kind of explain it? It's the Meeting golden ratio. Is, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's just a pattern that has been, um, I don't even think it's the words, dis- I don't know what the right word, it's not discovered, but identified uh, that is consistent with the best looking faces in nature. And it's just the ratios between the proportions of the upper part of the face and the middle part of the face and the lower part of the face. And there's, you can put a number to it. Like there's, uh, there's certain percentages, a percentage distance that each eye should be from each other in relation to the ears and, and that type of thing. So it's a pattern that has been identified that the most uh, beautiful faces in the world um, have in common. So before I go to bed tonight, Michael, I want you to look at me straight in the eye and say, wow, Lauren, you have the golden ratio. <laughs> Every day. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you where I first found you. And maybe, Michael, I, I, I don't know if you know this. Before I let everyone know where I first heard about Dr. Diamond, I want to talk about my new Thrive Market select page. Okay. So I went through all of Thrive Market and added all my selects that are all TSC approved to this page. We went through the master list. We went through everything and found the top favorites. So you can expect a very TSC-esque page. One thing that I need to talk to you about that Michael and I are obsessed with right now is Annie's Organic BBQ Sauce, okay? It's a sweet and spicy barbecue sauce. That's how you say BBQ? You say or barbecue, you say BBQ? How do you say it? Barbecue. Okay, I say BBQ. BBQ, okay. You actually tricked me because then I said that's how you say BBQ. So I made Michael this barbecue chicken cauliflower crust pizza. I got it off F-Factor, so it's full of fiber. And basically what you do is you make a cauliflower pizza crust and then you add your Annie's Organic Original Barbecue Sauce or BBQ. (laughs) I got mine off Thrive Market. This one has four grams of sugar or less, which we love. Then we added chicken breast on top, a little red onion, some shredded cheddar cheese, a little mozzarella, and of course, fresh cilantro and tons and tons of lemon. Michael, loved it. This is such a good recipe to make the kids because I feel like it tastes just like CPK's version. It was some damn good BBQ. (laughs) It is some damn good BBQ. Anyways, on my page, you can find this barbecue sauce, as Michael would say, and a bunch of my other selects, and you can just shop everything at once. And you guys know Thrive's been a sponsor of this show for a long time. We love it. It breaks down every type of diet, every type of item. If you need household items, you need a specific diet, whether you're keto or paleo or gluten-free, 
you're a mother, expecting mother, definitely not me. They have a section for you as well. And it just takes all of the headache out of shopping. I hate going to the store, as many of us do. And I use Thrive as much as I can to get all of my orders straight to my door. Thrive Market guarantees its customers 25 to 50% off below retail on all items because it cuts the middleman out. Thrive Market is offering all Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners, 25% off your first order and free shipping with a one-month trial when you go to thrivemarket.com slash skinny. Again, that's thrivemarket.com slash skinny. Happy shopping and enjoy that barbecue chicken pizza. I first saw Dr. Diamond, you know what I'm going to say, on Dr. 90210. Is that what it was Dr. called? Dr. 90210, yeah, Dr. that was back like in 2000. the television show? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So tell us about how you got there. So Dr. 90210, okay, that was... Um, I think the first year of Dr. 90210 was I think 2002. They had their first season and it was and it was created by a, a plastic surgeon named Robert Ray. He was the guy who wore the cutoff sleeves and did all the karate and stuff. It was his idea. He's a very creative guy and he came up with this idea to have the show and it was a huge hit. I was not on it that first season. Their first season was 8 half-hour episodes. And it was this huge hit. So they got picked up for a second season, and they went. They got picked up. They went from eight half-hour episodes to thirteen one-hour episodes. So they more than doubled their airtime. So they needed to add, I quote unquote, talent. I always laugh that I'm, people call me talent on these teams, but they had to add. Had but to you add were people. you were actually a, pra- a practicing doctor. I was, yes, yeah. okay. I had just started. I just started my practice. Uh, I was in practice for a year. I, I think I started my practice the same year that came out. Maybe a ha- maybe six months before that show came out. I had just started, and um, and so when they got picked up for their extra airtime, they needed to add plastic surgeons to f- feature. They needed to fill that time, and so they were looking for a woman. And they interviewed the 20 potential, you know, pretty, you know, camera-friendly female plastic surgeons that were in the Southern California area. And they liked Linda Lee, who has become a friend of mine, great doctor and great person. Um, And they were looking for the, quote-unquote, the hotshot up-and-comer. That was the other role they wanted to fill. And they interviewed the 20 or 30 people that were appropriate for that. And they they heard my name as one of those guys and they came and interviewed me and they liked me for that part. And I got that I got that role. And um, yeah, and the rest is history. That's sort of what how it is started. it like being a year into your practice and being thrown on television in Beverly Hills and becoming like the hot plastic surgeon? I can only imagine your office has like a line up the door. They're like this guy has the golden ratio yeah. Yeah. on the show. Yeah, it was it was pretty cra- it was pretty crazy. And actually it was quite interesting because at the time, it was a, it was a different time. I mean, it's crazy to think like I, I still feel like I'm, I still feel like I just moved to L.A. But yet I'm now one like one of the old guys. I, I, I it, it like it's crazy to me that that was 20 years ago. Like I'm no longer. It's so the the reality is it's a whole different world now, and I feel so old saying that. It's just so weird to wrap my brain around that. But it was a different time, and at that time there was no social media. Marketing was considered extremely taboo at that time. Doctors didn't market. They didn't market. Wait, mar- Only- marketing was considered taboo in, in the doctor's profession. In the doctor profession. If you okay. marketed, it was equivalent to the ambulance chasing lawyer. If you marketed, you were considered just a, 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 a the bottom of the barrel, the, wow. the, the bottom of the food chain, if you marketed, okay? There were a few plastic surgeons that were marketing at the time, and they were considered by the medical community bottom of the barrel. They were just the low at the lowest of the low end. That's what it was considered at the time. And... 
this show came out and it was a little different because it wasn't so much marketing. It was a show. But yet, there was still a lot of taboo about being on the airwaves, about doing this. There were, and, you know, I, because I wasn't on that first season, but I heard all the doctors, the local doctors talk about it and they were like, you know, just taking Business every shot, but they were taking every shot they could at Robert Ray right. and the few doctors who had made appearances on it. Um, it was all about him that first season, but there were cameos from other doctors. But every doctor in the community was taking shots at those guys, trying to knock them down. And I'm sure there was a lot of jealousy involved too. And I was just getting started and getting my getting the feel of the lay of the land, so I didn't really have much of an opinion on it. But there was one thing I knew. I knew that my mentors wouldn't approve of it. I knew that because I learned from like I, I spent a lot of time studying with the f- most famous top guys in the field for two years before I opened up my practice. I sp- just went. I traveled a lot and learned from the best of the best. So I was learning from these like old school, you know, purists. These these, these old, old guys and and the thought of even they, these guys wouldn't even have like their number listed in the phone book. I mean, this was like you know you did it. Their their thought was you do it all based on time and word of mouth and good work and reputation that's built from the ground up I and mean, that's how that's how it was it was done and these were the guys that I respected the most and these were my mentors so I knew they wouldn't approve number well, that's going to be difficult because these are guys you look up to and at some level you want their approval and you want them to be proud of you absolutely absolutely I wanted these guys I wanted their approval I wanted them to be proud of me and uh, you know I wanted them yeah absolutely so I knew so I knew that um, number two the other thing was I knew my work would blow away anything that was seen in season one. I knew that too because I, you know, the, you know, look, Robert Robert Ray starred this show, and he does a million breasts, and he's great at those things. But he was doing some face stuff on that show too, and he wasn't a face expert. And he'll be the first to tell you. I mean, he's referred me a million face things over the years, and I've referred him breast things. But he'll be the first to tell you he's not a face expert. But he was doing some facial things, and some of the other guys were doing some facial things, and here I was. I had the top techniques and I was already getting great results I knew my results would blow away anything that that the that the airwaves have ever seen for facial work I knew that too and so I was torn between do I you know upset my mentors and you know and how I would feel about that versus having like show the world what really the top techniques could could deliver and so what was the ultimate decision maker? Well, I knew that I knew that there would be a lot of good that came from being on there. I knew there'd be bad. I knew there there were conflicting. There was pluses and minuses, but I believe that the pluses outweighed the minuses. But I had to convince my wife. She said, "Don't do it." My nurse at the time, who was my right hand man, had been in the been in the business for. 25 years and worked with a lot of these top guys and she was very influential on me and helped me start my practice both beautiful blondes if i remember correctly this nurse you hadn't met she's already she's already left but she was beautiful too um she she said absolutely not so the two most important people to me at the time as far as my business and my life both said absolutely not you can't do this because they knew of the taboo they knew that you weren't supposed to do this but i said you know what Uh, we're going to show the world what first-rate facial surgeries like and it's going to change everything and i made that decision and we did it and that's exactly what happened and i think like i like to tell people we were sort of part of the revolution like before before this show came out i think 
most of the world thought plastic surgery was just for Hollywood celebrities, rich, famous Hollywood celebrities who didn't care like to look weird. Like everyone thought of Michael Jackson and Joan Rivers and all these craziness. If you lived in middle America, that's what you thought of plastic surgery. And I knew that we would be able to change that. And I think that we did um, because now the, now the rest of the country, this was a very popular show was seen, not only I've seen like 150 countries, but all these viewers viewing the show saw these perfectly natural facial results, these perfectly natural rhinoplasty results. People look beautiful, but like themselves, undetectable type of work. And all of a sudden, I was getting emails from other plastic surgeons in the middle of the country thanking me. Like I just my pra- they were telling me their practices have blown up because now people are like, oh my god, you can get a natural looking nose. It doesn't have to look like Michael Jackson's nose. Or you can get a natural facelift. I don't have to look like Joan Rivers. So I think it it made, it helped really make plastic surgery mainstream. I think our show really did that. And I think it helped other plastic surgeons worldwide. And I think it helped the population realize if something bothers them that affects their self-esteem negatively, that they can really have it fixed in a a, a very safe, natural way that's going to benefit their life. And then social media comes in. <coughs> and this is this is years after the show airs, right? Social media came in. So so when Dr. 90210 was on the air, I became, I mean, people start all of a sudden, it was so weird. People started recognizing me all over the place. Airports, traveling. I mean, people start. So interestingly, at that time, maybe two or three years into into uh, Dr. 90210, Facebook had come out. I think MySpace was first, but I didn't use that. Then Facebook came out, and I remember I would get, no joke, 20, 30 Facebook requests a day, and I didn't accept one of them. I didn't do it. For like friend for, requests or just people reaching out? People asking you reaching out, friend requests, all, like, I mean, on a daily basis, maybe more. It was just, all, it may have been hundreds. I don't know. It was... It was ton. It was tons of, of, and I didn't do it. I, I just like I don't need this stuff, and I just I didn't do it. For, this went on for like three years. So, but but that was becoming a thing. Probably whatever you guys probably know as well as me. Face. I mean, we're probably talking two thousand seven, two thousand six, two thousand seven, somewhere in that range. And I didn't do it. But so, I didn't get involved in social media because I was late again. Similar to my thought process on you know, marketing is taboo, even though I was on this show, I still am like an old school guy in that respect. And I was very late to the game in social media. So I didn't start doing Instagram, I think, till like two years ago. Um, it was a lot of people were doing it. And a lot of plastic surgeons started hopped on that as well as the Facebook years ago, well before I did it. The thing that made me start Facebook, I mean, start Instagram. I don't even do we, we do Facebook now, don't we? I don't even know. I've never seen our Facebook page. I think we have one. But Tammy, Tammy runs it. I've I, Tammy, you're doing a great job, incredible job. So, but, Tammy, but, you're killing it. But I do look at the Instagram. I do look. I do check that. So I understand the importance of Instagram. I still don't even understand. Honestly, it show just show how stupid I am. I don't even understand what Facebook does. Like I know what Instagram is. I understand how to use it and what you get from it. I've never looked at a Facebook page, not mine, not anyone. So but I don't, you're delegating I don't know it, it, so you're still you're yeah. outsourcing it, so it's still great. Right, it's still great. But the point is, so, so I digress. So I got sidetracked. So I was in Dubai, and I was seeing a very famous Dubai, like Middle Eastern person. She was on 
what Arabia has talent whoa, 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 or Dubai has. So this person flies you out to Dubai. Or, I, or, I was going to Dubai. I was going to Dubai to, to take care of some people, to take care of some high end. Yeah, people. Michael, he works. You, don't you work some of the time in Dubai? I, I don't. I mean, I, I've been I, there. I, I want to know how there. this works. We won't have to get into details about who it is, but so that they say, "Hey, listen, Doctor Diamond, I need. We need you to get. You need to get out here. Yeah, need, Dubai is we need, huge. We need to get your ass out here to Dubai. Surgery. We're not coming over there. And then you, you're like, okay, and you pack up all your gear and you head out and you got a whole facility set up. It's kind. Of, that's kind of how it worked. Like we, you know, I had based on Doctor show in itself. <laughs> no, people people have, yeah, people have sent planes before. So for sure. But but private I, planes? Uh yeah. Gulf people have, people have sent private planes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, for long trips. Yes. Fuck, I got in the wrong racket. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um but because I had a big Middle Eastern following from being exposed on that show cuz Dr. 90210 not Dr. 90210 aired in the Middle East, so a lot of these royalty knew who I was and they wanted me to do their work. So a lot of them were coming here and you know, LA is in the summertime is one of the most highly traveled places by the Middle Eastern royalty. Now with the travel bans and stuff, it's changed the last two years. But before that, there were tons of Middle Easterners who traveled here for their summer. So I was taking care of loads. And finally, enough people worked it out so I could go over there and help take care of them over there. So I was going over there from time well, to time. Let me ask you this. This is, this is We're digressing here, but you got you got to be careful with some of this royalty. I mean, if you, you, if you not that you would, but if you screw up one of these jobs, you be in a lot of trouble with some of these guys. Well, I don't screw around. I mean, I only do things that I know I'm, you You're know, and, and if I don't... And, home run every time. Yeah, and people will tell, like, I, I get, you know, unfortunately, uh, my, I'm very honest with patients, and, and that, unfortunately, sometimes upsets them. Like, if I don't think I can give a, get, get a good result, I tell them, and I, if, you know, I don't... Honestly, I haven't even looked at a Yelp page in three years, but but I used to like every other one else. I'd stress every day what's on the Yelp, you know, and one back then, and I don't even know what's on there now. I don't even care to be honest with you. But at the time when I did three years ago, there was someone who wrote a bad Yelp review on me because she said Dr. Dime said I was too fat and wouldn't get a good res- wouldn't get the result I wanted. But I was being honest, and I never used the word fat. I wouldn't insult somebody, but I think. Um, you have to set the expectation at a realistic level. I, I just level. said, look, you're not going to get what you want. I can't give you what you want because, you know, and I always tell people because your anatomy is just not favorable and it's some, some, and I'm honest with people and this lady wrote a terrible review that I was rude and mean and I was like, look, I was just being honest and I'm honest with everybody. So unfortunately, that upsets people from time to time but I'll never do something on someone I don't think I get a great result on. So if I know I can get a good result, I'm going to get a good result. Okay, so you're out in so, Dubai with the Arabian sorry, princess. Just, just, yeah, totally, Michael. I, I derailed it. So, I and it I wasn't an Arabian. This was, this was a celebrity. This was the, like, the most popular judge on on Dubai has talent or Arabia's got talent or one of those she was a very and she said to me she's like hey she's like, I'll put a post I'll do an Instagram thing for you what's your Instagram and I'm like this was like two years ago I'm like I don't have one and she's like what she's like if I do this thing she's like I at the time two years ago she had like 20 million followers uh, she was she was like the one of the biggest in the world at the time <laughs> what's that Oh, five years ago. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, whatever it was, she had a bunch of followers at the time. And she's like, let me just put this out for you and you'll get like, you'll be. And I said, I don't even have Instagram. So I called Tammy. I was in Dubai. I said, Tammy, this person and her name was Al Shamizi. She's actually posted so I can say it. Al Shamizi, I think. And t- I'm like, she wants to post something. Do we have an Instagram? Tammy's like, no, but I'll make one right now. So she made it right then and there. And she did a little something for us. And, and that's how it's, that's how our Instagram started, however many years ago that was. So it wasn't that long ago. Though. And now you guys are utilizing it a lot. Has that helped with business? Yeah, now I do utilize it. Now I understand. So like I said, the world has changed. The world has totally changed. And now it's the way, it's just the way it works. So even though the our forefathers and the guy, my mentors would totally disapprove, sorry, it's the way of the world. You got to put your work out there for people to see. So yes, we use it a lot now, and um, fortunately, I've got a lot of influential people who trust my work, and they readily 
post for me because they want other people to have that same type of experience. So we use it a lot and it's been very, very good. What's the wildest request you've had? I mean, in terms of like someone's like, I need you to come here or I need you to come to like, uh, I'm trying to think of Tammy. Do you know? Oh, I well, one we yeah, had one cra- the craziest thing probably was f- yeah, this was for an MTV show. I can't even remember the name of the show, but they called and they said they had this guy who was a body modification guy, and he had every modification you could have. He had you know the huge earring stretched things. He had the the full nose pierce all over the place. He had his tongue split down the middle. All these things I'd seen before. He had earrings in his eyelids like that I had never seen before. He had he had like metal balls implanted under his forearm. I'd never seen. It was just nasty stuff. But he had something I'd never seen before, and that was horns implanted in his head. He had these horns implanted in his head to look like a demon or a devil, and they were silicone horns that somebody put in in some basement. And crazy enough, whoever put him in did a surgically skillful job. Like, I don't know if I could have put him in as well. It was And it was done by some probably guy like him, some body mod guy, body modification guy in some basement. And he did the most skillful job ever. But the guy wanted him removed now because he wanted to start, like, normalizing his life. So I went in surgically and I removed these silicone horns. And that was probably the craziest thing I ever did, um, the weirdest thing I'd ever did. Uh, but it was, but it, it, it worked and it made him look <laughs> more normal so that was kind of kind of weird i i'm a people people know me i'm a very conservative type of surgeon i i i I go for very natural results i want people to look like themselves so i typically don't get people don't come to me for craziness They, they there are doctors who do craziness and those doctors have those reputations and they have those patients i typically don't get those people i get people who want to look just great and normal um so it's luckily for me it's not often someone comes in and asks for crazy stuff because it's not my niche and i don't like to do it and whenever i get stuff like that we usually send it away what are some trends that you're seeing right now like how is how social media obviously kylie jenner kim kardashian they they're sort of changing the conversation i feel like what are trends that you see people coming in for more and more yeah, so, yeah, there are those, the man, the Kardashians, they're just amazing family, and they are on the forefront of beauty and fashion, and, I mean, they are influencers, and they deserve every bit of, uh, every accolade and every reward they've ever had they deserve, because they're just, they're, they're just an awesome group of people, and they're generous, and they're smart, and they're, they're knowledgeable, and they're just, they're just awesome, so, um, they, they have influenced the world, they really have, and, um, and it's amazing to be a part of that. Uh, I think the one of the biggest things I've seen is people embracing that they can make changes younger. Um, people don't now know, now know that they don't need to wait till they're sixty to address something that bothers them. If something bothers them when they're in their twenties, thirties, then it's okay to have that addressed. And I tell you know I make the analogy to everybody. To me. People often ask, well, isn't it vain or isn't it, you know, shouldn't you accept what God gave you? Well, my answer to that is right now as we speak, what would be our guess as to how many people are in a gym right now worldwide? A billion? Right now, there's probably a billion people exercising somewhere at minimum, maybe more. And why are they exercising? They're exercising to what? Reduce a fat, to to get a six pack, to slim out their thighs, to improve their biceps, whatever the reason is. And that's that's because people want to improve their self-esteem and want to feel better about themselves. Well, the face, you can't exercise away. You can't exercise to make those types of changes. So what's the difference between exercising to get a six pack or doing a little filler to your chin to create a better 
better chin shape and improve the weakness that you have, right? To me, it's the same exact principle and the same same concept. So I think that what the Kardashians were a big part of making people realize, like, you can improve things in, at any age if it bothers you that you can improve it. And so I think that's the biggest change that I've seen is people coming in and understanding that coming in at younger ages to address things that bother them. The biggest thing for me, and I think that this is if, if there's a takeaway for me, what makes me happy is that we're, I think we're, we're getting to a place where if, like, if somebody wants to do something, people are supportive. Like, okay, you do you. If that makes you happy, if, that, if, if you feel more confident, then do it. We're, I, I hope that we're getting away from a place of society where it's like this person did that and then everyone jumps on to judge them and puts them down. Like, I think that's a very unhealthy space. And you wouldn't, you're right, you wouldn't do that to somebody who's in the gym trying to improve in that area i mean something you, you may be somebody that you know your nose doesn't bother you so you don't think about it but if someone's nose they look at it every day in the in the mirror and they're saying i don't like the nose that i was given like they should have the right to go and get something done and that should be their sole decision it, it, it shouldn't it should have nothing to do with what anyone else thinks i don't know why anyone cares what anyone else does well for a long time it was really taboo right like you do something and people would you know you'd be in the news or if you're a famous person or if you did something and, and your group of friends found out they would talk like, everybody has to talk about it, and i just think like that's really unhealthy as a society because who really cares i mean listen there's the extreme examples where people maybe take it too far and i'm sure you've seen a lot of that where it's like whoa slow down you're 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 going over the edge but for somebody that just wants to make a minor change to feel more confident i don't think there's anything wrong with it and there's definitely a, and what you say i agree with you 100 percent. the the one the one exception to that is somebody who's not psychologically sound and there's mm-hmm. a there's a uh you know, most people by now have heard of body dysmorphic disorder, but that's where somebody doesn't see themselves appropriately. They see something that other people don't see and they obsess fixate on, on fixate on certain things. And those people will have a hundred procedures to, that's a different story. Those people need psychological help, not surgical help. And so that's the only caveat. So what happens if someone like that comes in to see you? Yeah. if And, and I do see, pro, I'd say I probably see a person a month like that maybe. And we'll just, and I just tell them, listen, I don't think I can help you. And, and I'll, as gently as I can say, you know, there's, you know, try to point them in the direction of maybe seeking psychological help for, you know, obsessing on certain things. And some people will accept that and other people will get upset that I, you know, talk to them about that. But I'm not going to do anything that's not going to help somebody. And so that's the only exception. But other than that, normal people, hey, this bump on my nose affects my self-esteem. I don't like my pictures. To have that fixed, to me, is as, you know, as honest and appropriate as going to the gym to get in shape. I know that you specialize in the face, but how are you seeing a lot of BBLs? I'm, I feel like I'm seeing that everywhere. Um, uh, whoa, so whoa, what the hell's a BBL? A Brazilian butt lift. Oh. So so right. So I so I I don't do that type of work, but I do have people ask quite often who they should go to for that. So it's definitely something that's out there. Um, from what I have been told, it's decreasing in its popularity a little recently. Um, and maybe those fashion icons who made that popular have now gone a different direction in what they're saying about it. I'm not sure because I don't do that work, but but certainly it's a very popular thing, and people ask all the time. So I refer them to someone who I know does does good work in that in that regard. Okay, so if someone comes into you for your face, what would you recommend that they need to do? Do they can they just come in and talk with you? Do they need like a checklist? If someone maybe can't have access to you and they're maybe in Minnesota, is there a list that they should ask their doctor before they get anything done? If you, I guess if you were giving advice to your daughter, what would you tell her before seeing someone that specializes in the face? Yeah, so so for me, uh, I tell everybody, no, anything I do is predicated on an exam. I got to see you first. Now we take care of you know 
probably half of my practice comes from outside of LA. Probably 50% of the people I see come from different countries, different states. So we have a lot of people who we will Skype with first and we'll do a full Skype exam and I'll spend as much time as I can evaluating them that way. But I tell them all, listen, we can, what I see on Skype, I think you're a good candidate for these things. Um, but there's a chance you get here. And when I put my hands on your face, I tell you, you know what? I don't think I can give you what I thought I'd give you. So I tell everybody with that caveat that you may get here and I may turn you down. But Skype, I would say if I had to put a number on it, is probably 85% accurate. I'm probably accurate 85% of the time, meaning my hands will feel what I think they're going to feel based on the Skype. Um, so, But I won't do anything without examining that person first and talking to them first. If, so the, it, if the leader of North Korea wants to fly you out to examine his face, what would you tell him first? What's his preliminary exam? Yeah, so I, what I would... What type of plane does the leader of North Korea need to send? It yeah, has to be something nice to go there. To go there? Yeah, I'd have to bring Dennis Rodman with me, because I know I'm safe then. Um, yeah. I heard that guy throw some wild parties over there. No, I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. So if someone's going, if someone's listening, like I said, and they wanted to, they, they can't go to you, what kind of checklist should they ask their doctor? Should they ask anything? Obviously board certified, right? Is that how you call yeah, it? Yeah. So, so as, so basically the question you're asking is how do you find someone who's appropriate for you? Yeah. Like you. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's important to find somebody who's board certified in their specialty and this world, again, it's, it, I'm, I'm, it always surprises me that the public at large still doesn't understand what board certification is. There's all kinds of perversions of that term that aren't real. So the real, so the, the real board certifications for facial surgery, there are really two specialties that can be board certified to do facial work, and that is a board certified plastic surgeon and a board certified facial plastic surgeon. And I would, I would, if it were me and I'm informing somebody, I would have them understand what those two terms mean, even if you just do a quick Google search, because those are the two specialties where you are truly recognized as a board certified specialist, meaning you've passed the appropriate exams, you've, you've met all the requirements for understanding the facial anatomy. So what does that leave? That leaves a whole bunch of other specialties that are not the same. But they use sexy terms like board-certified cosmetic surgeon. Board-certified cosmetic surgery is different. It's not to say there can't be good board-certified cosmetic surgeons, but it's not the same thing. Uh, you don't have to have the same qualifications. It can be people outside of different specialties. I mean, I've, you know, OBGYNs can be board-certified cosmetic surgeons. Um, all different kinds of different specialties. So my recommendation would be to to see a board certified facial plastic surgeon or board certified plastic surgeon to have your facial work done that would be my first recommendation and i just wouldn't veer outside of that there's there's you take on you know you just hear about there that that's the best i can say about it but it's i i think it you know i think at this point it's the buyer has to do some do some of their own work. They got to take responsibility for their decisions to some degree and understand really what the training is of who it is that they're seeing. And just because somebody advertises a certain way doesn't mean that they have the the, the skillful training to give you this, the best results possible. But board certified plastic surgeons, board certified facial plastic surgeons, are the appropriate specialties to see for your facial work. 
Okay. Okay. If someone's in LA and they want to come to you, what are some procedures that you really specialize in? So the the most common procedures that I perform are facelifts, rhinoplasties. I'm coming to you. I told you, and when I get older for a facelift. In 20 years, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe 30 for you. Yeah. 30. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, All yeah right. maybe 30. Okay. Maybe next week for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. So um, probably the most common pr- fa- surgeries I perform would be you know facial rejuvenation surgeries, which include. Just making people look more youthful. That's tightening the neck and jawline with facelifts, neck lifts, um, reshape, noses, rhinoplasties, reshaping the nose. Um, those are probably the most common surgeries that I perform. Um, my probably the one of our signature thing, and, and I have people come from all over the world for those things. One of the signature things that I perform that is a unique procedure that is unique to our practice. We call it, it's called the diamond tripartite uh, procedure, and that is my way of using customized facial implants where I actually get CT scans of the face and create implants that are customized to an individual uh, and combining that with um, some deep lasering and some deep muscle tightening to create the most contour and the most um, chiseled appearance that I can give like for somebody. Sym- symmetry for the face? Symmetry for the face, sculpting for the face. This is Now, we do it non-surgically as well, but this is the surgical. So there's a surgical tripartite and a non-surgical tripartite. Um, but the surgical tripartite is the most powerful way there is for like a, you know, a 35-year-old to say, I need a more, I'm just, I don't have the, I want the Brad Pitt neck and jawline. And it's the most powerful way to do that and it's not it's scarless there's no it's not a facelift a facelift is a different thing that's tightening the muscles and tightening the skin here we're talking about enhancing and sculpting the facial structure so it's very powerful um it's one of my favorite things to do and we do it surgically and non-surgically um surgically is of course a permanent significant change uh non-surgically we do it in the office with what we call diamond facial sculpting it's my my non-surgical way to enhance and sculpt the face. Um, so those would be my s- unique sort of signature procedures. Um, and so that combined with facelifts and rhinoplasties would probably be the most common things that I do. Going back to the beginning, um, your buddy that would, that had face trauma, mm-hmm. how much of your practice now, if any, uh, deals with trauma, someone that's been in like some kind of terrible accident or gotten their face smashed mm-hmm. in, and then obviously the, um, you know, I don't want to, not vanity, but um, for aesthetics. Like, so, so how much you know, somebody come to you and say, "Hey, this buddy, this guy was just in a really bad accident, and we need to fix his face." Like, how often do you see that now? That's a great question. Um, I don't see as much reconstructive work anymore for facial fractures, Be, and the reason is because that usually requires a university setting. Okay. And once you get into private practice, the way I am, we're just not involved with the universities anymore. And so I don't do much of that anymore. I still do nasal reconstructions. People have had their nose broken badly yeah. or, you know, that kind of thing, because that doesn't require as much of the university situation. So I still do that. But people not, bring you in to consult ever? Um, I will get I will get uh, people to ask just you. from, you know, if they're going to do something what I think cosmetically would make sense from a balance standpoint, even though I'm not going to do the procedure. So, uh, you know, I used to do a lot of that, but I don't really anymore. You did Kris Jenner's ears on Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Yes. So you just cut the lobe off the ear. I just reshaped the earlobe. Yeah, there's certain techniques to reshape an earlobe. After certain procedures or with aging, the earlobes can get a little funky looking or a little wonky looking or a little just aged looking. 
looking. And so I'll be checking your earlobes tonight to see if you need that. Yeah, there are methods to reshape that. So yeah, so we did that for Chris. And I can say that just I can only talk about what was aired. What you know, I can only talk about what people post and what people air. And that's what we yeah. So that that's what we did. What is a book, a resource, a podcast, anything that you would recommend to our audience? Maybe they're out there, they're listening, they're hustlers, they're working. Some of them are working nine to five. Some of them are entrepreneurs. What What's something that you, that you really, really like that set the tone of your life? Could be a book, hmm. podcast, movie, TV show. That's really a good question. And it doesn't have to be so, like, it could be... It could be anything. It, like, even something like well, my, lighthearted. Well, well, my, well, my favorite... Um, I think my favorite poem would be uh, Lord Alfred Tennyson's uh, uh, story about Ulysses, and it starts to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. That's how Ulysses uh, uh, tries to amp up his troops that are going to go on a go on a long, dangerous, glorious, potentially expedition, um, and the warrior king that's how he that's how he start to strive to seek to find and not to yield and i've always like loved that that amps me any t- meaning like just if you say it in your you, head, you, you never stop like, and that's how that's my mindset of how i've always been i will even to this day i will i will just not stop be trying to become better trying striving for perfection just i won't stop um trying to learn and get better and that's just the way i am even that's how i started before started in med school it's how i went through residency it's how i was in the beginning of my career and it's even what drives me to this day that type of mindset and it's one of the things i think has led me to you know rise to the you know place that i've gotten to because i think like that that's how my brain works dr diamond you are amazing thank you so much for coming on that was so informative where can everyone find you pimp yourself out give us your instagram handle your website where they can book everything uh instagram is i gotta ask with tammy what is it dr dr jason diamond that's dr jason diamond um our website is uh www.jasonbdiamond.com and we're in beverly hills and you you, you have to promise me that if the leader of North Korea flies you out there that I can come. I don't offer this to most people. I'll hold your gear. We'll, <laughs> You'll br- come with we'll bring Rodman. Yeah, we'll go see some of those wild boat parties that guy's thrown. And yeah, I'm in. I'm in. in. Yeah, I can make that guy look Once a lot better. Once he listens to this episode, then we'll, I'm we'll sure, yeah, back around No, he'd do great. And I would do the diamond tripartite on him. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Yeah. Thank you so and much I'll, for coming you're on. Welcome, you're welcome. My old guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, a lot of you want a Skinny Confidential pop socket. You've been reaching out to me over DM. If you want to win one, I'm going to pick five of you. Here's what you do. Go to our new podcast site. It's tscpodcast.com and tell us your favorite part of it. There's so many different things on there. There's resources, there's books, there's the offers, there's everything streamlined with the guest. Go to my latest Instagram post. Tell us your favorite part of our new site, tscpodcast.com, and I will pick five of you. I'll personally DM you, and I will send you a cute little pink pop socket. All right, and if you rate and review the podcast, please screenshot it, send it to asklauren at theskinnyconfidential.com, and we'll send you my five secret beauty hacks straight to your inbox. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Dr. Diamond was an incredible guest and we hope to bring him back on soon. 
This episode was brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is your one-stop shop for high-end, high-quality, and highly discounted groceries, supplements, beauty products, and household supplies. Thrive Market guarantees its customers 25 to 50% below retail on all items because it cuts out the middleman. Thrive Market is offering all Skinny Confidential him and her listeners 25% off your first order and free shipping with a one-month trial when you go to thrivemarket.com skinny. Again, that's thrivemarket.com skinny. Happy shopping, everyone, and we will be back next week. This episode was also brought to you by Fabletics, your new go-to for all activewear. Fabletics is offering the Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners, an incredible deal you guys don't want to miss. Get two leggings for only $24, a $99 value, when you sign up for the VIP membership. Just go to fabletics.com skinny to take advantage of this deal now. That's fabletics.com skinny to get two leggings for only $24. Also, you get free shipping on orders over $49, which is awesome. International shipping is available, and there's absolutely no commitment when you purchase your first order. Fabletics.com slash skinny. Terms and conditions apply.